Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so happy you could join us. This message is sure to inspire and encourage you. We're in our Thirsty series, so sit back, relax, enjoy the message. A few of us on our team, we were at a conference this last weekend, um, and it was a church planting conference. And just for those of you guys, if you're unaware, uh, Kingdom Church, we are a church plant. Uh, I, I don't know if any of you guys are aware of this, but this right here, this is a God dream that we are sitting in right now. Uh, this is a dream that I felt that God placed on our heart as a church and a people to plant a church where people far from God could come and find hope in God. And uh, we're just sitting in a dream. And one thing I realize is that you can be sitting in a dream and not realize that you are sitting in the dream. Did you guys know that? Like you can be so close to something and not realize that you're actually there. We're, uh, we're beginning a new series. We're in a series called Thirsty. And uh, the whole premise, like Leo said when he was MC, and it came from a line of poetry by Richard Wilbur. This is, I die of thirst here at the fountainside. I die of thirst here at the fountainside. It's an ironic statement because how can you die when you are so close to a pool of water? How can you die when you're so close to something? And, and the essence of our series is we wanted to bring water to those who are thirsty, spiritual water. We believe that Jesus is the answer to our thirst. But one thing that I realized at this conference this last week, I realized that I was thirsty. And, and it's so interesting because you can be teaching, you can be preaching, you can be leading, but you can still be thirsty. You can be so close to Jesus, but you can actually miss it. And you can be in the midst of a dream, but actually miss it. And so I just want you guys to know that as a pastor, that I'm refreshed, that I feel like I had a drink of water this week. And uh, I want to bring it back to all of us because I still believe God has a vision for this church. I still believe God has a plan for this church. And we have not seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. And uh, if you guys are new to our church, every single week we begin by reading a passage of scripture. We're going to be in the book of John this week, John chapter 7. And I'll just give you guys a little background. Uh, I'm going to read. It's a longer passage of scripture. Someone say, this sounds long. It's a longer passage of scripture. If you have the Bible app, it's on there. Uh, if not, it's on the screen behind us. But it's in John chapter 7, and Jesus is speaking to a crowd of Jewish people. What you have to understand is the Jewish people, these were the people of God. And the Jewish people, they're waiting for their king. They're waiting for their Messiah. And now Jesus came. Jesus was and is the Messiah. He's standing in their midst, yet they missed him. He's right there, yet they didn't recognize him. That's the context of John chapter 7. You see, you can be in the midst of what you've been waiting for, and you can still miss it. That's John chapter 7. We're starting in verse 33. It says this. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to another, and one another, Why, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I'm going, you cannot come. Did you guys know that if you're in the right place, looking for the wrong thing, you'll never find the right thing. You can come to church your whole life, but if you're not here for the right reasons, you never find what you're actually looking for. Verse 37, it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is, shout that word, come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant that the Spirit, whom those who had not yet believed in him were related to receive, up until that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing these words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? It is funny, David was born in Bethlehem. It is so funny what people who don't know your full, full story will say about you. Verse 43. Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Can you guys touch the person next to you and let them know we're about to go on a prison break? This is the title of our sermon this morning, Prison Break. And more than even a title, I think it's a direction that God is going to take us this morning. One thing that I've realized is that we are afraid of that which we don't understand. We are afraid of that which we don't understand. I heard a story this week, and uh, whenever I tell you guys stories, I want to make sure that they are real. And so I did some fact-checking, and as far as I can possibly tell, this is a true story that I'm about to tell you. It happened in Japan. A 36-year-old man, a four, sorry, a 44-year-old male and a 36-year-old female. And what happened is this man is now on trial um, for beating up his wife and it's super horrible, and I don't want to even talk about that part. What I want to talk about is the reason in which uh, he decided to lay hands on his wife. Um, just, it's kind of a funny story. The result isn't funny, what happened, but that's not funny. Just, I need you to keep that in mind. I don't think that what he did is funny, but this next part is a little bit funny. So, uh, the reason this story made the news uh, is because the reason in which this man, it was very, very interesting. So this man... 44-year-old man, he decided that he wanted to become a professional YouTuber. He, he had worked a normal job for a long time, and then he said to himself, I'm going to become a professional YouTuber. And so what he was doing, he started kind of like vlog-style daily videos of him eating at restaurants, uh, him doing all the things that vlog people do, like there's their lives that no one really cares about. And he was doing these things, and uh, for one reason or another, his wife did not like what he was doing and uh, she tried to get him to stop but it did not work and so this man he continued with his YouTube career and everything was going smoothly so he thought except for one problem no matter what happened every single video that he posted he would be getting hater comments by a small group of people and, and, and they were comments such as they would call him things like baldy and, and, and what he realized as he kept posting these videos is that it was, it was the same group of people just trolling him. He described them as trolls. People were trolling his video. And so what happened was that this man actually found out that it was his wife who had been commenting on all of his videos. But even more so than that, his wife had actually told all of their friends you need to go on his videos, you need to comment and make fun of him so he quits. Just completely tear him apart. And so that's what led the man to do what he did when he found out. Like I said, that part isn't very funny, but <laughs> I think the leading up to it is pretty funny. And it was so interesting because I thought about this story, and this story, it's really about perception, right? Because I think as people, like, we naturally were afraid of that which we don't understand. 
right? And so for this wife, her husband worked a normal job for his whole life, and then when he says, honey, I want to become a YouTuber, she didn't really get it. She didn't really get it, and I'm not saying she responded correctly at all, but she thought to herself, and it's just so funny, she thought to herself, instead of having like an adult conversation, I'm just going to troll him on his YouTube account. <laughs> if logic doesn't work, then certainly my words uh, will work. And, and it's just so funny because I realized that in life, like how we perceive things can make such a big difference. In the story in John chapter 7, it's really a story about perception. And really, Jesus' whole time on earth, it was about perception, how people perceived him. The reason that Jesus was hated, the reason that he was crucified, was because people had the wrong perception. People had the wrong perception. It was so interesting. I was thinking about this lady. Uh, with perception, I've realized that we don't see the world as it is, but we see the world as we perceive it to be. You see, for this lady... She perceived the world to be this. If you are a man, you work nine to five, you get your paycheck every two weeks, and you do not waste your time making YouTube videos. But it is so interesting. I'm not saying this man to be successful, but one thing that she didn't realize is that there can actually be a, a great amount of sex, sex, success. <laughs> I, I think I'm thirsty. <laughs> The only way you make a mistake like that is if your mouth is dry. <laughs> That's my wife. Can you give her a round of applause? <laughs> Let's try that again. What this lady didn't realize is that there can actually be a great amount of success within YouTube. But her perception of how the world works, of how life should be caused her to do that. And one thing that I've realized when it comes to Jesus, often our perception of him is what holds us back. And in this story in John chapter 7, and really John's, or Jesus' whole time on earth, what held him back, what held him back, what got him crucified, was the people's perception of him. It was their perception. And what happens is that although we can be close in proximity to something, we can completely miss it if our perception is off. And that's what happens in this story. And so this morning, what I want to do, we're in the midst of our series, Thirsty. And my prayer is that anyone who is thirsty would not leave this series still thirsty. And so what we're going to do is I want us to look at three things this morning. You see, what I believe is that every single one of us has a prison in our life that holds us back from what God wants us to do. That holds us back from the water that he has for us. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want us to identify these three prisons all found in John chapter 7. And when we can understand these prisons in our life, I believe that we will experience breakthrough. How many of you guys want to experience breakthrough this morning? Yeah. I believe that we can experience breakthrough. So in John chapter 7, it's a story about perception. And I'll give you guys a little bit of more context. In John 7, Jesus is, is entering into Jerusalem. And it is this time called the Festival of the Shelters. If you guys know anything about the Jewish culture, the Jews had many different festivals. The Festival of Shelters was a festival where they came together to celebrate and to remember the time that Jesus showed up, that God, I should say, showed up in the wilderness when the nation of Israel was wandering. And so every single year, uh, they, they celebrated the nation of festivals. And, and what makes this thing so interesting is that for the Festival of Shelters, I should say, the reason they were coming together was to celebrate the fact that God's presence had once been with them. But what they don't realize is that Jesus, who is now God in the flesh, is in their midst, and the very festival where they're supposed to celebrate 
the presence of God, Jesus now comes there and they completely miss him because their perception is completely off. So this morning, three prisons. Here's the first prison from John chapter 7, verse 33. It says this. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Here Jesus is speaking both figuratively and literally. Literally, what he's saying, he's saying, I'm about to be crucified, and when I'm crucified, I'm going to die, but I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to get resurrected, and when I get resurrected, I'm going to be sent up to heaven. I'm going to be at the right side of the Father in glory. And what he's saying is, you guys can't come there quite yet. That's literally, he's like, where I'm going, you guys can't come. But he's also speaking figuratively for a second, because what he's saying, he's saying, you will look for me, but you will not find me. You see, what I believe to be true is that if our perception is off, if we are looking for the wrong thing or the wrong idea or we have the wrong picture, we will never find that which we are looking for. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 33. So here's the first prison that I want to look at this morning. The thing that holds us back from experiencing the presence of God, from us experiencing the living water that Jesus has to offer. It's the prison of perception. It's the prison of perception. It's how we see things. For those of you guys who do not know the story of Jesus, it was not an atheist that killed Jesus. It was not a group of, of, of a haters and, and people that didn't like Christians. It was not that. It was actually religious people that put Jesus to death. It was the followers of God, the followers of God that put Jesus to death. And the reason they did that is because when Jesus came down to earth, when Jesus came into their presence, their perception of what the Messiah, what the Savior would look like, was different than what they had thought. Jesus was different. Their perception was off, and so they got caught in this prison. This prison. You see, perceptions, I believe, will cause us to miss out on Jesus. How we see things, how we perceive things, how we look at life. The question I want us to ask this morning is, what perceptions do we have in our lives that hold us back from experiencing Jesus? Here's one I think that a lot of us have. Our perception of ourselves. How we see ourselves. Our picture of ourselves. If we have a despairing picture of ourselves, if we see ourselves as unworthy, as not good enough, as less than, then we will never be able to fully experience God. Because God wants to shine light into our lives. But if our perception of ourselves is someone who is unworthy, when God comes and says that you are worthy, we have a difficult time believing it. We have a difficult time experiencing it because our perception is off. You see, what I believe is that we cannot see things contrary to how we believe things. If we believe it to be, it is. How we see things, they are. And so what God wants us to do this morning is he wants us to begin to change our perception because our perception has the power to be a prison in our life. It is a power to hold us captive. I heard a story this week, and it all kind of all makes sense in the end. A pastor was telling a story about how he came to God. And this is one, if, if I told you guys his name, many of you guys may know him. He's very famous um, in the States especially. But he was telling this story of how he came to God and what he was saying. He was saying he was far from God and he was on this party on a beach and uh, it was a, a drinking kind of thing and he was drinking and all that good stuff. And what happened was this church decided this was a good time to do a submission work. And so they went down to this beach where there was this party and they were handing out water bottles because water always helps. Someone say thirsty. 
But along with these water bottles, they also had little invitation cards, little invite cards to their church. And so this pastor was telling the story of how he was at this, uh, at this party and he was drinking and this church came and gave him a water bottle and he thought that was really nice because he was also thirsty. But they also gave him this connect card and so he put it in his pocket. He was drunk. He didn't really think about it. But then he went home and he, he put that card on his, on, his, on his dresser and he kind of just forgot about it. But what happened was that in the next number of days, the next number of weeks, he had two tragedies in his life. And within a span of a couple days, two important people in his life passed away. And he said in that moment, he was feeling so low, he was feeling so down. And then he looked and he saw that invitation card to this church and he thought to himself, life couldn't get any lower than this. And so he decided that Sunday that he was going to go check out that church. And what happened when he went to that church, he felt God speak to him and his life was changed forever. And now he's one of the most influential pastors in the United States. Now the reason you're saying, what does this story have to do with perception? Uh, this story spoke to me. And it challenged me, and it, and it convicted me. You guys, on your chairs, do you guys see the little cards you guys have? Just, just, just everyone look to your side real quick. On it, there's an invitation card. Can you guys see it? It's the small one. It says, you're invited. This is where it spoke to me, two things. I have a confession. I pastor this church, and I believe that this church will go as far as I believe it will go. And, and often my belief for it and my vision for it, if I don't have a belief for it, I don't have a vision for it, then how can I expect anyone else to? And so I'm here to confess my sins. Those invitation cards, many, many times, although we've printed them, although we've printed thousands of them, a lot of times I've had the belief, two beliefs. Number one, and you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but my belief is that I'm not sure anyone will actually give anything out. I'm not sure anyone will actually hand this to someone. That's just, that's just a belief that I have sometimes, and I'm not saying it's right. But my other belief is even if we hand these things out, I'm not sure they'll make a difference. I'm not sure anyone's life can be changed from just a little card. And the reason that this story spoke to me when this pastor told this story is because I was just convicted because I had realized in myself I had stopped believing that God can work in any single way possible. We print these things and we don't just print them so your chairs look nice. We print them so that you can take them and you can give them to someone in your life. And I'm not even just saying your friends, because your friends probably don't need a card as much as they need a text message. But maybe, there's, maybe it's a barista at Good Earth. Maybe it's a barista at Starbucks. Maybe it's your clerk at Superstore. But there is someone in your life that this card is for. And I'm here to tell you, I have the belief, I have the renewed belief that these cards are going to change someone's life. But it's going to take us to give them out. And it's going to take us to believe it. And it's going to take us to hand them out. But what we need to do is we need to begin to change our perception. Because so many of us are held in this prison that says, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I'm not sure it's going to make a difference. Listen to this, friends. I've told you this, and I'm going to tell you every single week. This church does not exist for Christians. If you're a Christian, you're here. We love you. We're going to we'll give you a hug after. But this church exists for those who are not yet believers. Because we believe wholeheartedly there is hope and there is healing in Jesus' name. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but I think that our world is going to hell in a handbasket. Depression is through the roof. Suicide is through the roof. Anxiety, isolation, loneliness. Schools are getting shot up. Workplaces are getting shot up. There's famine. There's droughts. There's fire. People need hope like never before. Like never before. Here's the perception. Someone else will give them hope. Someone else will invite them to church. 
Listen, I'm speaking very candidly this morning. We can look around and see some empty seats. The reason that we're, they're empty is because of us. It's not anyone else. It's because of us. And if there is hope and there is healing in Jesus' name, and I believe that hope and healing come in this place, those that are thirsty can find a drink here. We need to take personal responsibility to believe that it's my job. It's my job to bring them here. If someone needs to drink, someone needs a drink. How selfish of me to, to be at the fountainside but not bring someone for a drink. We need to change our perception. I was speaking to my friend this week. We were talking about his dad. He said, my dad's not really a Christian. He's not a believer. He doesn't, that's not who he is. And I said to him, I said, no, he's not a believer yet. I said, not yet. Because we need to begin to change our vocabulary. Because get this, if we don't believe for those people, who's going to believe for them? They already don't believe. And so if they have someone else in their life that claims to be a believer that does not believe for them, how can we expect them to believe? We need to change our perception. Our perception, our prison becomes a perception. Listen, if you're not a church person, you're here right now, I want you to understand this church is for you. We're a hospital for the broken, for the disenfranchised, for the, for the gone one too many times, for the messed up one too many times. This is the place for you. This is a place for your friends that you can find hope and you can find healing. Get this. Get this, church people. Jesus was in the midst of those who loved God and yet they missed him. They missed the whole point. They missed the whole point. That's why over and over again, I got to get us back to the point. What's the point of this place? It's to reach people. It's to bring hope. It's to bring healing in the name of Jesus. It's to bring hope for those who are thirsty. It's a prison break. It's a prison break. I didn't even tell you guys the title that well. It's prison break. We're here to break out of prison, and the biggest prison that many of us have is the prison of perception. Let none of us here be thirsty because of our perception. Listen, maybe you have a perception that says, I'm too far gone. I've just messed up one too many times. I just have this sin in my life that will not go away, and God cannot use me. God will not use me. Get this, that perception comes from the devil because God wants to give us freedom. There's freedom in his name. Come on, someone. Shout if you believe it. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. That's why we're here. We're here for freedom. We're here to break out of prison. The first prison we need to break out of is this prison of perception. No one else can change the world. I'm going to change the world. If no one else believes it, I'm going to believe it. If no one else shows up, I'm going to show up. If no one else is loud, I'm going to get loud. Because I believe that there is healing, there is hope, and there is freedom in Jesus' name. And once we believe that, man, we're going to see chains break. Man, we're going to see lives changed. But we have to take responsibility. It's not someone else. And you're saying to yourself, man, I'm barely a Christian. I barely believe. I just got here. Man, I promise you God will do things in your life. And you're like, I don't even know who God is that well, but God will use you in that state. It's not about the pastor. It's not about perfection. It's about willingness. It's about open-heartedness. And just watching what God will do for those who are thirsty. That's the first prison. And you're going to see all the prisons are, are sort of connected in a way. But John chapter 7, verse 49, or verse 40, I should say, continues. says, on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? So there's a prophecy you need to understand in the Old Testament that said the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. And these guys thought Jesus was not from Bethlehem, but he was born there. He just didn't stay there very long. 
But you see what happened is that these people were put in a, a prison because of the position that Jesus was in. They thought it had to be one way, and so they got caught in that prison, and they missed Jesus completely. Here's the second prison I want to talk about. It's the prison of position. It's the prison of position. And this is very closely related to the prison of perception. It's the idea that because of where I am, where I have come from, who I am, I cannot be used. These people said, this, this, this man, Jesus, cannot be the Messiah because he's not from a certain place. Some of us have this same thing in our lives. I cannot be used because of. I think, I think for most of us it looks like this. It's this idea of comparison. It's the, it's the devil of comparison. I can't be used because I can't speak as well as that person. I can't be used because I can't play as well as that person. I can't be used because I'm not refined like that person. And what happens becomes a prison. But get this, friends, the easiest way and the quickest way for us to never get to the place that God wants us to go is to begin to compare ourselves to someone else, to compare our story, to compare our journey to someone else's journey. That is the fastest way to never get where God has called us to go. It is the prison of position. It's the prison of position. I told you guys we're at a conference this week. It's a church planting conference, and it was amazing. And it was, an, it was awesome, but one thing that when you're there, it's all church planters, and the question everyone always asks each other is like, hey, how's your church going? Like, how are things going? And that's the question like everyone's asking me. And uh, it's funny because, I mean, it, it, even like when people ask me about my life, like, how's your life going? Like, I don't really know what to say other than good. But like, how's your church going? And, you know, I, I think that our church is going amazing, and I know that uh, since we began just six, seven months ago, we've had hundreds of people give their life to Jesus. We've had four people get baptized. And so I know it's been awesome. I know that we started from the bottom, now we're here. But there's still something in your head, and you're kind of like, I don't know how it's going, especially like when you're talking to these people, and this guy has a church of 4,000 people. This guy has a church of 300 people. And suddenly you're 50 people, 75 people, doesn't seem that significant. And so you're like, I'm not sure. Because the position that we're in, I'm not sure. But I just, I just came here to say, number one, thank God for Pastor Ryan Iverson. You guys are like, who's Pastor Ryan Iverson? Pastor Ryan, he's one of our elders. Uh, he's one of our overseers here at Kingdom Church from Calgary. And uh, he's going to be here this summer preaching to us. Come on, someone shout for that. You don't even know him. <laughs> but you're going to know him. But one thing. Pastor Ryan, man, he loves Kingdom Church. He's for Kingdom Church. He's just, you guys all know Pastor Brett. He's just like Pastor Brett, loves us, for us. And uh, he was introducing me to people this weekend. And a lot of individual times I've been like, I don't know, like things are going good. And so he'd introduce me to people and I, he would tell them, these guys should planted a church. And they'd ask me, how's the church going? And I'd be like, it's going, it's going good. And Ryan, he'd be like, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but he's absolutely killing it. Like, Their church is killing it. He's just killing it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but then like, we, we go to someone else. This happened like two or three times. And I'm like, good. And he's like, man, this guy is underestimating what God is doing in his church. It's a, it's a prison. And, and when it happened for the third time, Ryan just said, you know what? I'm not going to let you answer anymore. I'm going to answer for you. <laughs> he's like, it's going amazing. Friends, it's going amazing. Yeah. Lives are changing. But we're just getting started. But I, I can't let myself get caught in the prison of position. Because get this, and I told you this, guys, we're not quite where we're going to be. We're never quite where we're going to be, but we're not where we started. 
We're not where we started. In your life, get this, you're not quite where you want to be, but you're not where you started. You're not at the bottom anymore. God's coming to your life. If you're here this morning, you're like, I think I'm at the bottom. No, you're not. Just by you being here, you're taking a step out. I'm not where I, I used to be, but we cannot get caught in this prison, this prison of comparison. These people said Jesus cannot be the Messiah because he's not from where we thought he was supposed to be from. He doesn't look like we thought he would look like. He doesn't talk like we thought he would talk like. He hangs out with sinners. He hangs out with Gentiles and prostitutes, and he can't be the one because look where he's positioned himself. It becomes a prison. Listen to this, friends, church. We're going to have a breakthrough here. It's a breakthrough. Because I know a lot of us, you're on our teams. It's prison. It's a prison. We've been doing this for six months. People have not come. Even It's a prison. But we're going to change our perception because we still believe lives are going to be changed. We still believe God has a plan. We still believe God has a purpose. Last one. Last prison. We've got to close up. John chapter 7. Still, we haven't left. You guys know that. Verse 43. This is the last. It says, thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. This is the last prison we're going to look at this morning. It's the prison of posture. It's the prison of posture. Verse 43 says, The people were divided. Their hearts were divided. You know, the Bible tells us that where, the spirit, where there is unity, the Spirit of the Lord dwells. Where there is, what's the word? Unity. The Spirit of the Lord dwells. I believe this, friends. If we are divided in our hearts, divided in our thought, divided in our perception, divided in our position, we will never get to where God has called us to go. I believe that in this crowd, there was people that crucified Jesus, that heard his words, that heard his, his cry, those who are thirsty, those who long for a drink, come here. But their posture was one of division rather than unity. And so get this, friends, as a church, it's time for us to get united, united in mission, united in vision. What are we here for? It's not for ourselves. It's not to come rub each other's backs and talk to each other and reminisce about our weeks. No, we're on a rescue mission. No, we're here to bring hope and healing to a world that needs it desperately. That's what we're here for, but we have to begin to change our posture. We have to change our posture. What does our posture mean? We have to change from close-handedness to open-handedness. And this goes back to perception. This goes back to position. We need to open our hands and we need to say to ourselves, I believe again. I have hope again. God has placed that person in my life for a reason. I need to believe it again. There's no backup plan. There's no one else coming. It's me. We need, we need to open our hands. We need to change our posture. Listen to this, friends. This, this is going to look different for, for certain people. For some of us here this morning, I believe wholeheartedly God is calling you to change your posture to a posture of expectation. To a posture that says, you know what, I believe God does miracles still. I believe the best is still yet to come. We just need to open our hands. We need to open our hands. For some of us, what does that look like? That means, you know what, in my life I'm here, I'm serving, and it's awesome, but there's still something I'm holding. For some of us, it's our treasures. I'm going to just be honest, it's our money. It's like, man, I'm serving God. Isn't that enough? I'm here early. But God says, I want everything. 
I want everything. Just open your hands and watch what I can do. What's in your hand? Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. It's about posture because there's a posture when we give. When we give everything to God, we will begin to believe again. We'll say, if God can take the little that I give him, man, what else can he do in my life? Listen to this. I'm going to help us out. I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do two things for us. Because I want us to change our posture. Because I think that our posture changes everything. Our posture can change our perception. We're just, can we just, everyone stand. We're just going to stand. We're going to close. I'm going to make an appeal in a second. That's the second thing to get you guys for something. The first thing is this. We're going to sing a worship song and we're going to do something. And some of you guys might not like me, but that's okay. We're going to sing this song. And one thing, I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen when we do worship, some of us raise our hands. We lift up our voices and lift up our hearts. And some people, I know you may be uncomfortable raising your hands. That's okay. Uh, if you feel uncomfortable, you can come talk to me after, but you're going to do it. What we're going to do as a church and the people is this. We're going to raise our hands as we sing this song. And what you are doing is you are opening your hands up to God and you're opening your hearts up to God. Because get this, some of you guys who are here this morning, you're saying to yourself, I'm not sure I can believe again. I'm not sure I can have hope again. I'm not sure God can use me again. I'm not sure my friends are coming anymore. But listen, when we open our hearts and we open our hands, sometimes our hands, the posture of our hands can get our hearts in the right direction. And I promise, because I know there's people in this room even wanting to raise your hands, but you're like, I'm not sure who's watching me. I'm not sure what'll happen if I do it. Like, am I going to get struck? No. We're going to open our hands, open our hearts, and we're going to sing this bridge one more time. I'm going to come up and make an appeal. I'm going to give us another chance to respond. But we're going to sing this song. Everyone in this room, when we get to that, to that bridge, there's no mountain you won't climb. Let's just raise our hands and worship God. Can we do that? Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything you need and more. Take care.